You are listening to a production of the Toll Network, home of Biting Analysis. This is Moonspeak Phase 2, Episode 31, Innocence Lost. And I'm Arnett. Welcome to Moonspeak Phase 2, your source for weekly Sailor Moon Crystal Season 3 discussion and analysis. This week we're discussing Sailor Moon Crystal 34. I don't know why I didn't change that. 34, uh, Act 33, Infinity 7 Transformation, Super Sailor Moon. A lot of words. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of words in that one. Uh, uh, so, go ahead. So what uh, what are our rough demands of the episode? Uh, I really didn't like seeing Hitaru in her very underwear-like PJs. Uh, I get that people sleep like this, um, but she's a kid, and we don't need to see every intimate detail of her private life or anyone else's private life. And in fact, we don't see much with any of the other characters, like Minako and Usagi. Specifically, we've seen their pajamas that I can remember, and they're in, like traditional full pants and button-down, you know, pajama shirt thing. And that's it? Yeah, um, I'm seconding that one. Uh, and specifically, a lot of the framing of it made it really creepy. Um, it feels weird for uh, Hotaru specifically, who would probably need to be more covered up due to, like, her illness, um, to just kind of be hanging around in her underwear um, like, a nightgown might have felt more appropriate and kind of more suiting her personality. But, like, the combination of her in, like, underwear along with the, like, the shots being of her, like, on her knees and, like, breathing weird was not a great visual and was somewhat uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> like, I could, I could almost deal with it if she was just, like, you know, sitting there doing whatever, hanging out, reading a magazine, but, you know, just the the framing of the shots and what was going on is really what made it uncomfortable. Um, yeah, I, I can't add anything to that. Um, so, uh, next thing, um, Saturn is a sailor guardian called upon in emergencies, and her one tactic is to destroy the entire universe. That seems a bit much to me. Yeah, just... You know, what she does. Um, I've, I just felt a bit off with their use, repeated use of the word power-up, which is, you know, the actual phrase they were saying. It wasn't just a subtitling thing, um, where it's like, oh, Sailor Moon powered up. Hmm. I'm like, that's, that's an odd way to put that. That's fair. Um... Yeah, I also was a little surprised. I, I don't know if... I'm just going to say an unqualified surprise that they actually call her Super Sailor Moon. I was expecting, like, Cho. Isn't that what Super is? Or a word for yes. Super? I was expecting Some, Cho like Sailor that. Moon, but no. Uh, no, no, it's just Super. <laughs> um, so, on, but on the other hand, what are our frills? Uh, Usagi pours the Grail's contents onto herself to transform into Super Sailor Moon, and just something about that visual was really cool, especially because, like, it had absorbed or whatever 
metaphorically, representatively, I don't know, just magically kind of, like, taken in power from all the other Sailor Guardians who were there, and, like, the fact that she was, like, almost, like, anointing or, like, adorning herself with all their power, like, was a really cool visual metaphor to me. I don't know. I don't know what it means, but it looked really, really cool. Um, so there was that. Um, and then Chibiusa's elation about Super Sailor Moon and, like, her warm memory specifically of being home and, like, talking to, uh, her mom before, I, I think it was, like, right before she left to join Mamoru and Usagi and everyone else in the present. Um, uh, like, her, you know, Neo Queen Serenity's telling her, like, hey, uh, you're gonna get to meet Super Sailor Moon someday, and she's pretty rad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you about this cool thing I did in high school. <laughs> yeah, so like, but it was just cool because like I it, I felt the warmth in it, and there were you know shoujo bubbles and you know soft filters and everything, but uh, you know it made me feel warm and fuzzy. So I was glad they were able to communicate that well. Um, and then like everyone is flying, uh, which is really cool because you don't really up until this point in crystal like get the sense that they're actually levitating and flying around or at least i didn't so it was cool to see it very explicitly shown here yes um okay and then like the jokes about haruka and michiru's extravagant lifestyle were just so so good i loved it and like the jokes about the damage to the apartment on her haruka like still transformed listing off all these things she's gonna have to pay for <laughs> and then making jokes about her rent like, everyone's still transformed in the middle of this crisis, making jokes about how expensive her rent is. And it, it feels like the sort of humor that I'm very used to from the outers. Uh, and it was, it was just a good, a good transitional moment where we got to kind of breathe between, uh, big things going on. Um, and I just thought Chibiusa was really great this episode. She's a strong little lady torn between a lot of people she really cares about. Like, her old best friend was like, yeah, I'm gonna go kill your new best friend. Sorry. <laughs> like, she's making tough choices, and I'm proud of her for doing the right thing. Go, go small lady. <laughs> uh, so what are our quotes of the episode? Um, so mine is, uh, this... <laughs> Uh, I can't believe this. Sailor Moon, what is this power? And that's Professor... Is it Tomoe? Because I keep getting confused. Tom yeah, Tomoe. Uh, okay. I, I spelled it wrong. Okay. <laughs> uh, but Professor Tomoe seeing the radiance of uh, Super Sailor Moon, like, as she was, you know, getting ready to attack and everything. It was really cool. Uh, mine was, is that Sailor Chibi Moon, uh, which is Pluto as her and the other outers are... <laughs> in a tree, uh, staking out the Tomoe residence, <laughs> and Chibiusa just shows up to protect Hotaru, uh, Hotaru. Um, again, I, there's a lot of really subtle stuff between Chibiusa and Pluto in this episode. Uh, just a lot that happens in reactions to things the other does, uh, that I just thought was really nice. All right, so you want to move us on to the uh, questions? Uh, yes. Okay. Forgot what I was doing. <laughs> um, so on to our Inquisition. What are your thoughts on Super Sailor Moon? She looks great. 
I have two concerns about the appearance of Super Sailor Moon, and I don't mean, like, her look, I just mean her, like, debut and coming into the show, uh, and how it came about. So, like, first, does she need to have the cooperation of all the others to access that power from now on? Uh, what if they don't cooperate or are out of sync? Second, when Usagi's acting as Super Sailor Moon, can the others fight as well, or are they giving their, um, their power over to her for a time? And, uh, Basically, it breaks down to, does Super Sailor Moon function like Cosmic States in Kamen Rider Forza? Um, it's sort of like Cosmic States in spirit, and I wrote here that it was a little more like Wizard Infinity. Um, it's not like Grateful, uh, where he's taking the icons and no one else can use them. Right. Uh, as we keep making Kamen Rider references, um, I apologize to our listeners who don't watch Kamen Rider, but uh, that's... Sort of the groundwork on which this network is built. This is true. I'm going to say this, you know, controversial statement. I think so far Sailor Moon's better than Kamen Rider, um, like, by leaps and bounds, but Kamen Rider's still pretty darn good. They're very different animals, but... Yeah, they are very different animals, so it's hard for me to compare them, and especially, you know, I have all of this history with Sailor Moon, but Kamen Rider's really where I've laid my hat in the past couple of years. (laughs) Um... But, like I said, uh, Super Sailor Moon is a little more like Wizard Infinity. Um, again, drawing comparisons back to Wizard. Um, everyone else can still fight while she's Super Sailor Moon. Um, you know, shown in the fact that they don't lose their transformations once they've given her that power. Uh, in fact, everyone else got upgraded as well. Um, Good in point. giving, in giving her that power. Um, it's more, that they let their power resonate with hers because, you know, she's Usagi and she called upon them and they all love her. Um, but Super Sailor Moon is still entirely her power. But it draws more kind of on the love that she has for everyone and the love that they have for her. So if everyone argues, as they are again by the end of the episode, she's still able to use Super Sailor Moon but, like, if her heart starts to waver, she may lose some of the strength, but she won't, she can't downgrade. Uh, once she's kind of at a stage, she stays there. It's really very, very interesting how Takuchi almost ties, um, Usagi's growth as Sailor Moon, like, into her directly as a person. Because, like, season one, uh, Dark Kingdom Usagi could definitely not have reached this level. And it's okay. only by going through all these things and, like, growing as a person. And you can tell she's way more mature, that she can not even access this level. Like, that's the wrong way to phrase it. It's just like, you're right, this is kind of who she is now. And I guess her powers just reflect who she is as a person, right? Yeah. It's very it's very much that sort of thing, as opposed to, like, a form upgrade in Kamen Rider, um, where they can still use another one, or in the case of Cosmic States... Um, if, it's not even, really with Cosmic States, it wasn't even if everyone wasn't in harmony, it's if he was kind of at odds, if he felt someone was at odds with him, he couldn't use Cosmic States correctly. Right. Um, which didn't happen as often as it should have, because <laughs> um, that's an, a really interesting mechanic, especially within... Uh, Forze, where our hero was very similar to Usagi in that he functions entirely on love and friendship. Um, to have a, have a state, a form that's entirely dependent on his friendship with other people, 
and, you know, testing that. And they only really did it right after he got it. Yeah. With, again, you know, the best arc in the show. <laughs> but we need not belabor that here in Moonspeak. Um, <laughs> no, one one day we will get back to that Forze Riderology, um, and I will discuss that at those two episodes at length. Uh, I'm thinking just an aside. We may just have to do it, like, in smaller chunks and just knit them together, which will be fine. Um, yeah. I just got thrown into a trash can. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It happens. Every now and then. Okay, so uh, how do you feel hearing the outers say they'll sacrifice Hotaru to preserve all other life in the universe? I mean, that's their plan, and it's all they've got. You know, the the sake of many over, over you know, the well-being of one. And Haruka and Michu have never seen Usagi save the universe by, you know, the power of friendship and willpower. Uh, Pluto saw her do it, but also knows what Saturn's existence means, and that her existing at all means, you know, the universe is gonna end right now, and friendship is not gonna stop that. So this is the only way out that they see. It's all they can think of. And they don't want to do it. You can tell by the way they talk about Hotaru as a person they don't want to murder her, uh, but they really don't see any other way. The plan is bad. They know it's bad. They know that it will hurt everyone, but they're willing to get the blood on their hands so that everyone else doesn't have to live with it. So the whole sacrificing Hotaru thing, I get it. Uh, it's such a good narrative twist, I have to say. Um, it brings up a compelling moral quandary and casts a new light on the outers, which makes them feel much closer to the Deathbusters. Uh, I really enjoy that complexity, and it creates such good tension for Usagi and Chibiusa. Chibiusa has the very human and direct response, uh, somewhat free of moral considerations, where she just wants to protect her friend, while Usagi takes the moral high ground and says there must be a way to save Otaru. Even when the outers try to distance themselves from the fact that Otaru is a person and an innocent in the situation, Usagi is firm that they can still work something out. And I, the thing I like, I don't want to come down as like accusing them of being, you know, terrible people. I just think in order to do this thing, which they think they must, which I can understand thinking they must, like it's, it makes it easier if you just say like, oh yeah, this individual, her body will disappear and all these things that kind of make her a little less human. Yeah. They're like, they're very much just trying to get through the fact that they have to do this. And again, you can, you can tell by the way that they talk about Hotaru as a person that they don't want to kill her like they know that that is a bad thing and that there'll be bad people for doing it but they also don't want the universe to end (laughs) and this is the only option they have and they don't know that Usagi can make another way happen through sheer force of will because that is what she does (laughs) Uh, I really like the idea that you uh, brought up last week about, like, Usagi's basically God. Um, like, she that's is. pretty awesome. Uh, it's cool. Like, the best thing about it, too, is, like, you know, she gets to God level through the show. And it's just, like, it's really interesting. And it's great that she's the character that she is or else, uh, you know, the world would be screwed. But anyway, 
Oh, yes. <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and uh, uh, go on to the next question. What are your thoughts on the other Awakened in Hotaru? I, I don't know how to describe this. I don't know if it's Saturn or not, but um, just there's the question. It, it's not Saturn. Uh, she does have a name. Okay. This other this other person uh, that I've gone out of my way to not use <laughs> because the show didn't give it. Um but I do really love this character. I love her design, and I always have. I actually have little figures of her and Black Lady on my shelf. <laughs> uh, um, I can imagine that. Uh, the two of them, and then uh, I think a little, like, beach Minako. <laughs> like, her in, like, a one-piece swimsuit with a beach ball uh, that a friend gave me. But I I got uh, Black Lady and uh, not Hotaru at a, a convention a couple years ago. Uh, just because I really love both of those designs, and I've always found her and Hotaru's whole arc to be just really interesting and cool in general, and I'm so excited that, like, we've finally gotten to her. Um, I gotta say that one of the best things for you must be that, like, this show moves at such a quick pace um, that you're just, like, able to... I know we had that big break in between... You know, season two and season three, but like now we're just like tearing through the content, oh, getting yeah, to everything. No, we're, it's all here now. <laughs> um, okay, for me, uh, this lady is scary, and I wonder exactly who it is and just why they're also incarnate in Hataru. Uh, I get that she is Saturn reincarnate, uh, but she also seems to be this Deathbuster person, and that really has me perplexed. I love the return of the uh, the creepy attack hair. I believe Queen Beryl hair. Queen Beryl's hair did something similar, um, but this feels like it went a lot farther and uh, I or further, I should say. And I really like that. Um, like, I don't think Beryl's hair ever turned into a, a creepy hand. Yeah, I I think she has a lot more control over it. <laughs> um, sorry. Whereas Ber- Beryl just has like frizzy hair; she can't stop it from flying away. Yeah, her hair just her hair just goes. And believe me, I, I can relate yeah, to that. No, I, um, my hair's never been long enough to be that that wild, but uh, I, I know that feel. Oh, so. minus. <laughs> um, which is why I got a nice flat iron. <laughs> um, it helps. Um, but, you know, continuing on about this, the, the Seiyuu really sounded great, too. Like, I couldn't tell if it was the same actress as, as Hotaru and not Hotaru, but, like, I really liked the voice work that not Hotaru did. I'm not sure. I think the stuff that I was looking up isn't listing uh, the voice actresses. Naturally. <laughs> I just I still have a page on her open because I wanted to check something uh, with the manga that wasn't totally relevant. Uh, but it does not list the voice actresses, so I couldn't check that real quick. Uh, just another thing to throw in here real quick. I really like that when she ch- changed into not Hotaru, she like got more clothes. Not just because it was more clothes, but just because like, it was a cool outfit for this uh, lady. So like that made me happy. Yeah. Again, I love her design. <laughs> um, okay, so next question. Did uh, did Queen Serenity start over life in the universe? Is that what happened? Yeah, a little, little <laughs> bit. Um, you know, it's Serenity, the original Serenity, seems to think uh, very similarly to the Outers, but with the actual power and authority to make rash decisions that no one can stop. <laughs> Uh, so everything went wrong, and she kind of hit the reset button to try and protect, you know, her daughter and her kingdom and all these people. Again, not a great plan, but, you know, at least her daughter grew up a little less trigger-happy. 
It happens. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so much so that the uh, Black Moon arc happened, right? Yeah. <laughs> she, she goes the exact opposite direction. Is like, we're never doing any of this again. <laughs> no one's going to fight. Except not in the creepy way that the Ganma did it. Right. <laughs> um, okay, so, uh, yeah, like, I kind of assumed the reset thing. Like, I vaguely remember her hologram memory replicant thing in the ruined moon palace saying something like that when Usagi spoke with her in the Dark Moon, or the Dark Kingdom Mark, but I couldn't quite remember. Alright, so here's the last question. It's something that uh, has been bugging me since the end of the episode, which, by the way, great episode, uh, like, just because we're not taking forever to talk about it doesn't mean it wasn't a great episode. Um, why are the Deathbusters and Pharaoh 90 connected to this other within Hotaru? I think it's just kind of this big cosmic fate coincidence that Hotaru, who has this new not-Hotaru within her, um, is kind of born into this position within the Tau system conflict and is also Sailor Saturn. Um, this new figure is on the Tau side, connected to Pharaoh 90, um, and is not Saturn or connected to her in any way. Um, they're two entirely separate people that this one girl just happens to be. Um, she, this poor kid is just at the nexus of several lines of fate, <laughs> and it is causing her to have a really, really bad day. Yeah, definitely. She sure gets the short end of the stick. I, I, I... I was thinking as I was watching this, like, man, this is so Shakespearean, and I love the the tragic aspect of of everything that's going on here. But just that's so awful for Hotaru. Um, and you know, small lady too. Uh, we didn't talk about that yet, but uh, anyway, I'll answer the question, then we can spend a couple minutes uh, doing some general episode chat if we like. Um, I'm assuming we'll see more coming up soon, and I touched on this before, but I have no idea why there is this connection between them. Uh, the Deathbusters seem to want to preserve life, so it doesn't really make sense that this other would be Saturn, because she is all about destruction. Um, yeah, and this this other, that lady, taller, older Hotaru, um, is not Saturn. Okay. She's not even remotely connected to Sailor Saturn. Uh, she's an entirely different person. Um, Hotaru just happens to be both of them, because her life is difficult. Yeah. That's that's really really awful. Um, okay, so <laughs> I have to ask: Was this the best episode, or almost the best episode of this uh, the season so far? Oh, it's definitely up there. I'm really impressed with like, the fact that it was like basically a setup episode that it was still able to kick so much butt. Like there was all this great exposition, and the Super Sailor Moon transformation was in there, and just like. I don't know. It, like, a lot of things, a lot of threads got tied up and, and things came to an end, and then all this other new stuff just got rolling within the space of one episode, and that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and it, it definitely was a setup episode. Like, we we get Super Sailor Moon, we do this whole thing with Hotaru, we get the outers, you know, kind of putting out their ultimatum, like... Y'all are either going to let us kill this girl, or the universe is going to end. We got kind of the history of the Outers. We got so much information in this episode, and not really a lot of fighting, but it was still a very exciting episode. (laughs) That's my cat. He he agrees? 
She okay. does. It's <laughs> uh, so hard to keep track. Um, yeah, and like, um, Chibiusa died, and that was like in a really graphic, terrible yeah. way. Like, it was. Re- I can't remember if we already have established in Crystal somewhere that like the legendary silver crystal is kind of Usagi's heart. Um, or if I got that from watching that short, uh, like live action comedy skit about, uh, Tuxedo Mask trying to help her out. <laughs> um, but like, she, she, in the skit, she hands over the legendary silver crystal to this guy, cause like his boss wants him to get it. And she's like, uh, go ahead, you can take it. Like, it's basically my heart, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm not sure you can really use it, but at least you can have it and your boss won't be mad at you. And, you know, Tuxedo Mask is just there throwing roses and stuff. It's really funny. But, like, so, like, I know that. And if that's a big spoiler, like, oh, well, it was worth the it's, comedic It's not skip. really. It's kind of, uh, it's not really. I mean, it's kind of implied from the moment the Silver Crystal walks into the show by falling out of Usagi <laughs> as she's crying over, you know, her dead boyfriend. Right. Um, that it's... You know, it's part of her, it's very contingent on her emotions, um, and that, you know, Chibiusa has kind of inherited that. Right, so then, like, the crazy thing is, it gets ripped off of her, breaking her transformation, and, like, actually reversing it in the scene. Like, the ribbon gets pulled back and everything, and then, like, she's dead, apparently, and, like, that was just brutal. Um, I was really not expecting for anything bad to happen to Chibiusa here. Like, especially not like this, you know? Yeah, I definitely don't remember her, like, dying. I know that that's usually, like, an intensely painful thing, mm. um, having someone grab the brooch and try and pull it off of them, and it does always result in that um, that ribbons thing that is something that showed up several times uh, in in the old series. Um, one, I, one of the times I'm thinking of specifically, I know, is in the third movie, um, which is a very Chibiusa-centric movie, uh, cause it's kind of, it's at the end of the arc after this one, which is kind of very centered on her. Um, so, and it's always a very, and it happens to Usagi a few times, it's always very painful, but I don't remember it ever killing anyone, but I also can't remember if anyone has ever actually, like, completely ripped it off like that. Yeah, that, that might make the big difference, right? Yeah, um, again, like, I remember a lot of things from this arc, but specific events are often very fuzzy to me, so I don't remember this happening before, mm-hmm. uh, but it may have, and I just don't remember it. Um, that's fair. Uh, I just, uh, we should close up, because, like, we can't just expand upon, like, the gore here, um, too much yeah. more. But it was it was a very intense moment, um, you know, especially for Chibiusa, who also had a really hard time this episode. Yeah. Again, with you know her only childhood friend being like, "I'm gonna murder your new friend," and then that you have a huge crush on, <laughs> and then just say right, right. But like, two a, a thing to think about is like when Hotaru comes back, or, like, is Hotaru still in there somewhere, and is, like, what kind of trauma is she facing knowing that with her body, sort of, (laughs) her transformed body, like, it was used to rip out her friend's heart, like, that's gotta be awful to be on the other side of, you know? These kids 
are having a rough time. Um, you know, it, the fact that you mentioned the next arc, um, or is it the fifth arc? Which one is specifically, like, about Chibiusa a lot? The next arc. Uh, the next arc is the one with Horse Boyfriend. Uh, who I enjoy referring to as often as I can. <laughs> I This is going to sound crazy, because, like, you know, I'm a new fan, and uh, I didn't go through the 90s hating her or anything like that, but uh, I'm almost ready for the show to kind of be done with Usagi and just, like, have the story be about Chibiusa. Like, I'd be completely fine with that, because she's very interesting because of how different she is from Usagi. Um, and, I don't know, for whatever reason, I'm just ready for her story now, which seems really weird to me. It's It surprises me, and I've been thinking about this a lot over the course of this arc, how much of, like, the middle of this story is very much about Chibiusa. Like, the the entire Black Moon arc is essentially about her. <laughs> yeah. It's about her and Usagi, but there's a lot of we meet her, we learn about her, we kind of learn her problems, and then we come into this arc, and she's gotten past that, and now she's trying to be strong like her mother. She's making this friend that she wants to protect. Um, and then the whole next arc is also very focused on her. And then the final arc kind of goes back to Usagi, um, and also kind of the larger universe in which this story is set. Mm. Um I'm pretty sure Chibius is in the final arc, but for some reason her being there is not sticking with me. Uh, so I can't totally remember. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure she is. I'm like 99% on that. <laughs> I just can't specifically remember anything she does okay. in that arc. Because again, that, that arc is very not focused on her the way that no. the three middle arcs are. Um, but, you know, it's it's very interesting, really, how much of the middle of the story is kind of not directly about Usagi. Right. You know, and the fact that you mentioned that uh, that fifth arc, too, being a little more cosmic or, or grand in skill, like, I'm also ready for that. I think that could be really interesting you to know, see. But, you know, we're, all We're going to learn time. a lot of fun things, uh, kind of, about the cosmology this is set in um, at that point. Uh, we're gonna learn, you know, a little bit about Luna and Artemis, and, uh, tiny bit. Uh, s <laughs> some other stuff. And again, that, that arc does center a lot more in Anusagi, um, but the things that happen tell us a lot about the world in which, uh, our story is set. But it is really interesting how much of the middle is not directly about Usagi herself. Yeah, I, but, you know, it's all it's all still really good. Um, I guess, I don't know, if anything, maybe it just leaves you wanting a little more, and sounds like the way she structured the story, that's kind of how it ended up happening in the end. Um, but, uh, you know, before we get too rambly, I think we should go ahead and get out of yes. here. Um, so, uh, listener, go ahead and check us out on uh, iTunes. You can also subscribe through an RSS, and we ask that you would please rate and review to uh, help us get up there. You know, we're the little Sailor Moon Crystal podcast uh, on the block, and there are a couple other bigger ones that, you know, maybe pack a bit of a heavier punch, but uh, I think we offer, you know, some good we, stuff. We do what we can. Um, yeah. Um, we And fun. regardless, we're, we're going to keep doing it because it is fun. Um, so, anyway. 
Uh, yeah, I think that's it for now. So um, we'll uh, see everybody later, yeah. or talk to you later, see I guess. See you next week. All right, until next time, farewell. Bye, everybody.